Okay, let's pray. Lord, we're very aware that if anything of you is to take place today, anything of lasting value, it's going to have to be the power of your Spirit. And so we, we ask, Lord, we, we intercede. We pray that you might bestow the power of your Spirit upon the Word, that it would do your intended work, Lord. If there are those here this morning that are still lost in sin, Lord, would you save them? And for those that are your sheep, your, your people, Lord, would you mature them and sanctify them and grow them in Christ? And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, we've been working for months through the Gospel of Luke. We started out, oh, back November of last year, and we've arrived this morning at probably the most familiar parable that Jesus ever told, the parable of the sower and the four different types of soils. And it's not a difficult parable to understand. It's fairly simple on the surface. There's only three primary elements to this parable. There's a sower, there's some seed, and then there's four different types of soils in this parable. And Jesus helps us to understand what each one of those mean. First of all, let's take the seed. What does the seed mean? We'll look at verse 11. Jesus tells his disciples, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. But it's a, there's a specific angle on the word of God. It's just not God's word generically. There's a specific focus to it because notice verse 12. Those beside the road are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they will not believe and be saved. So whatever word from God this is, it's capable of saving the one who believes it. Can we say that fairly? So what do we call God's saving word? What is that? It's the gospel. So this is the word of the gospel. That's the seed that's falling on the different kinds of soil. We know what the seed is, so who is the sower? The sower is that one who scatters or spreads the seed, right? Who spreads the gospel? Well, this can come in all different shapes and forms, can't it? It can be a preacher in a church on a Sunday morning. It can be Kelly out there preaching on his stool at the light rail station. It can be a Billy Graham. It can be a Greg Laurie preaching to thousands and thousands in a stadium, or it can be you telling your friend or your neighbor or your family member about Jesus as you spread the word. Anybody who's giving the word of the gospel, which is that message which focuses on Jesus Christ and what he's done in his death, burial, and resurrection to save sinners like us, anyone who does that becomes the sower. So we know what the seed is. We know what the sower is. What about the soils? Look at verse 15. But the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart. We have our answer right there. The seed and the good soil are those who have heard the word in an honest and good what? Heart. The soil is the heart. So this is a parable about different kinds of hearts receiving the gospel through a human instrument of some kind. Now notice there's only one thing that really changes in this parable. The sower is the same in every situation, and the seed is the same in every situation. You don't have the sower sowing pomegranate seeds in one 
field and then wheat seeds over here and then corn seeds over in this soil. It's all the same kind of seed. And it's all potentially able to germinate and grow into a living plant. It's the same sower, same seed, but the only thing that changes is the kind of soil. So this is a parable that deals with how God's word, the word of the gospel, produces different things in different hearts, different kinds of hearts that receive that word. It might be a hard heart, or a shallow heart, or a divided heart, or a good heart, as we're going to see. There's four basic times, types of hearts that receive the gospel. And I also want you to notice how often Jesus refers to hearing in this parable. It's a major emphasis of his. Look at verse 12. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Verse 13. Those in the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, Verse 14, the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. Verse 15, but the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word. So the emphasis is on various different kinds of hearts hearing the gospel and what takes place. Go back to me with me to verse 8. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as, as great. As he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now what a strange expression, isn't it? What does that mean? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, I assume that means that not everybody has an ear to hear. Those who do, perk up, listen up, and hear. But not everybody does. Everybody has these things on the side of their head that take in sounds, sound waves, but not everybody has an ear connected to the heart that values and prizes and loves and cherishes the Word of God. That comes through the grace of God. If you have an ear to hear spiritual truth, listen, Jesus says. And then notice verse 10. And he said to you, these are his disciples, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now here's a whole different kind of a person. The first person has a spiritual ear. They love the truth. This is a person that hears but doesn't understand spiritual truth. The first person receives this gift of being able to hear spiritual things by grace. The second person is blinded and deaf to the voice of God and to uh, the Word of God as it comes to him. So there's two different types of people in the world. Those who have ears to hear and those who don't. Now, as we work our way through this, we're going to emphasize with what kind of heart do you hear the word of the gospel when it comes to you? I want you to be thinking about that. With what kind of a heart do you hear with? Now why is it important that we even talk about all of this? Look at verse 12. Those besides the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they will not believe and be what? Saved. Do you know what's at stake here? your eternal salvation. Whether you end up in heaven or hell determines 
is determined by with what kind of heart you hear the Word of God. If you hear with the wrong kind of heart, you will perish in hell. If you hear with the right kind of heart, you will be saved. That's what's at stake here. So please don't think this is a trivial matter this morning. Heaven and hell may hang in the balance for some of you that are listening today. So I want you to really perk your ears up and listen with all your heart. Let's talk first of all about this first kind of soil. We're going to call this the hard heart. The hard heart. Verse 5. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Now we have to understand a little bit about how farmers would sow their seed in the first century. They would take a big bag of seed on their shoulder, and either they would put a little hole in the back so it kind of dribbled out the back as they walked, or they'd dip their hands into it and just cast it as they went along. But inadvertently, some of that seed would not fall on good soil. Some of it would fall on the footpath that was right next to the road. And it would get trampled up by people as they walked along that path. The footpath right along a road would be hard as concrete because person after person would walk down that road and they would just trample it down and it becomes hard as, as hard pan. And so it was impenetrable. The seed just bounced off this kind of soil. It didn't penetrate at all. It just bounced off. And as soon as the farmer had gone a few steps away, the birds would swoop down and pick it up and they'd got themselves a free meal. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now he explains that over in verse 12. He says, Those beside the road are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So the devil is involved here. This is the person with the hard heart. The devil comes and he steals away as soon as he possibly can any word so that it doesn't penetrate and it can't get in and start making impressions. Now what kind of people are these? The person with the hard heart. This is the person that receives no real impression when the gospel is preached to them. It just doesn't do anything to them. It doesn't make a difference. They're, they're not concerned about their soul. They're not interested in spiritual truth. It goes in one ear and out the other. It's just a person who has bigger and better things to do with their life than be concerned about heaven and hell. I mean, to them, those are just fairy tales. It's fiction. And so when they hear the gospel presented, it does nothing to them. It doesn't even penetrate. Ezekiel 36 says that when the grace of God comes to somebody, what it does is it takes out a heart of stone and it replaces it with a heart of flesh. So here's a person with a heart of stone. Impenetrable, cold, dead to God. This is the kind of person who doesn't see any glory in the things that you share with them. Now they may see a lot of glory in the ability to make money or their favorite hobby. Maybe it's fishing or hunting or maybe it's gambling down at the local casino. Um, maybe it's just watching TV. I mean, they'll see glory in everything else in this world except for in the gospel of Jesus. They might even be infatuated with other kinds of religions. Maybe it's Buddha or Muhammad or the writings of Joseph Smith 
or the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. They see glory in these other places, but when it comes to the pure gospel given to us in Scripture, they could care less. Ho-hum, it's boring. So that's the hard heart. And I wonder if there's anybody here who would fall into this category. Do you have a hard heart towards the gospel? Does it do anything to you? Does it penetrate at all your heart? Let's talk about the second one, the shallow heart. The shallow heart. Look at verse 6. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Now, this is another type of soil. There was a thin layer of soil, but underneath that thin layer, there was this, this rocky limestone area. So the seed could quickly germinate, but as it sent out its roots, it would hit that layer of rock, and there was no place to go. There was no moisture because there was no depth of soil. In fact, Matthew and Mark both tell us there was no depth of soil. It was shallow. It hit rock and that's as far as it could go. And so it would germinate quickly. That plant would spring up. But then the sun comes up, doesn't it? And it begins to scorch down on that little plant. And because there's not enough moisture and nutrients to draw from the soil, it just withers and dies. And Jesus explains this over in verse 13. He says, those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. I have seen dozens, literally dozens of people like this over my Christian life. These are the kinds of people who have an emotional experience when the gospel is preached. It seemingly does penetrate. It, it gets into the heart and starts to do something, doesn't it? And they're filled with joy. The idea that all of their sins could be forgiven and that they would have eternal life and that they could know God and that God would be their father is a beautiful thing to them and they rejoice and it's experiential and emotional and maybe they even shed tears. But as soon as something happens in their life where they're tested, the sun comes up and it scorches on them, some difficult trial or some difficult temptation to handle, they fall away and they're gone. It's kind of like if you've ever been to a campfire and you throw the briars into the campfire, they start crackling and popping and there's lots of noise. But just as quickly as you throw them in, they're gone. Sort of a flash in the pan. Someone who has a quick response to the gospel, but it doesn't last. That's what this kind of soil produces. A temporary faith. A temporary spiritual high. Some kind of a religious experience that doesn't last. And it says they lack firm root. There's no firm root. The root of the matter is not in this individual. They lack something that is essential to saving faith. There is not that deep work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of this person regenerating them, giving them new life, causing them to come alive to God. They are a professing believer, but they don't possess the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So that's our second one. You see, it's really not that important what kind of experiences you have in the Christian life. What, what I'm interested in is what kind of life are you going to be living 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now? 
Are you still going to be walking with Jesus? Is he still going to be the supreme love of your life? Are you still going to be denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Christ? Are you going to be following him in his word? Are you going to be spreading the gospel? Is your life going to be transformed to the very end of your days? Or is it just a, a big quick thing and it's over? There is a woman that came to our church. And she came because there was a, a, a death in the family and she was grieving and she wanted to find out who this God was that her father who had died believed in. And so she came and somehow she found us on the internet, just showed up all by herself. She was lost. And she began to hear the gospel Sunday after Sunday. And we began to take heart and begin ex to get excited because we thought that the Lord had saved her. But when it came to a trial in her life, but between either embracing Jesus Christ or embracing her boyfriend, she chose her, she chose her boyfriend and she was gone. She fell away. We've never seen from her since. It's just another example of the dozens of people I've seen over the years who have this quick experience, but it doesn't endure. So I wonder, is there anybody here like that? You've recently embraced Jesus, and you're happy and you're excited, but it's, it's not something that's going to last with you. I hope not. I truly hope not. Well, let's look at the third one. We'll call this the divided heart. Look at verse 7. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Now as that sower was casting his seed, some of it would fall into soil where there were thorns that had already sent down their roots. And then Jesus explains this in verse 14. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. So thorns. These would be those things that compete for the soil, the nutrients, the moisture in that soil. They're, they're dominating the soil and they're, they're robbing the soil of all its nutrients. So you plant that seed in it. It may get started. The seed penetrates. But because there's such a dearth of nutrients left because the thorns are hogging all the soil. There's nothing left for this little seedling and so it never brings any fruit to maturity. It's just stuck in this infantile mode with no fruit. The problem with some people when they hear the gospel is that they hear the gospel with a heart that has all of these other things in it competing for attention. So Jesus is one thing in their life, but they've also got a bunch of other stuff. These are the thorns. Maybe it's the desire and the passion to make money. Maybe it's the pleasures that they enjoy. Jesus mentions pleasures and riches. Whether those pleasures just relaxation, whether it's just doing your own thing, I mean, we've, we've all got our deal, don't we? If you talk to anybody, you'll find out before too long what makes them tick. They, they, they've, they've always got something that they're just really into. That's their deal. Well, Jesus is saying that the gospel sown into a heart that has these other things that are stripping in the nutrients and taking and competing for the attention that Jesus Christ should have. So it could be TV, money, video games, hobbies, this is the person that loves the world, but also says that they love Jesus. Now, 
What does the Bible say about the person who loves the world? 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Pretty sobering statement, isn't it? If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in that person. It's not there. Or James 4 verse 4. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy. Wow, another strong phrase, an enemy of God. So, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. If you love the world, you're an enemy of God. You're a person with all these, these thorns choking out any fruit that you might bear for God. I was just reading recently in the, in the book of Psalms and I came across Psalm 8611 in my devotions. It says, the psalmist says, Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. And that just cut to the quick and I thought, Lord, is my heart really united? And I have to pray that prayer a lot. Lord, unite my heart. Get out of my heart these thorns that are robbing me of the richness of my salvation and richness of fellowship with you. This is the divided heart. Now there is one heart that we can rejoice over. There's one left. We're going to call it the good heart. Look at uh, verse 8. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. And then Jesus explains that in verse 15. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. This is the kind of soil that has no layer of rock underneath it. Isn't that nice? So this seed is planted in soil that's not going to bombard against this, this rock plateau. It's got a lot of depth of soil for its roots. It's also planted in soil that there's no thorns competing for the nutrients. This is soil that is just rich and fertile and ready to receive the seed. And you know, there are some people whom God has uniquely prepared to receive his word. We cast seed, don't we? We pray that the Lord would show us who we can uh, share the gospel with and who we can talk to. And, and we'll do that and it'll, it'll fall on all these different types of seeds. But once in a while, we find someone who the Lord has just made ready. Their heart is good. There's no thorns. There's no rock underneath it. It's ready to receive the word and to bear fruit. You see, the Lord has already gone before and He's removed those rocks and He's weeded out the thorns and He's got that heart ready because He intends to save that soul. And so, Jesus says there, this is the one who holds fast the word. Now, what is that contrasted with? Which kind of soil? Who didn't hold fast the word? The second one, right? The rocky soil. They believed for a while. And this one also bore fruit with perseverance. What is that contrasted with? Well, the third one. The third one brought no fruit to maturity. So this is a completely different kind of soil bringing forth the riches of the fruit for which it was always intended. This is the true convert here. 
This is the one the Holy Spirit has wrought a miracle of grace upon to bring to life. Now, as we seek the lesson that the Holy Spirit has implanted within this parable, I believe that lesson is simply this. The Lord wants us to distinguish between true and false converse. Between true and false professing Christians. You see, when I was a brand new Christian, I would read this parable, and I would think, okay, well great, three out of four are saved. Well, the second one, that seed came to life, right? The third one, that seed came to life. And the fourth one, the seed came to life. The last three all came to life. Therefore, three out of four are saved. But the longer I study the Bible, the less I'm inclined to believe that was uh, the intended interpretation of this parable. Let's think it through. First of all, this rocky soil. They believe for a while and then fall away. So the question we need to ask ourselves, is it true of a saved person that they will believe for a while and then fall away? Is that true of a genuine convert of Jesus Christ? Well, let's, let's rehearse some scripture in our mind for just a moment. Matthew 10, 22. Jesus said, You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Who is it? The one who has endured to the end. Uh, Revelation 2.10 Be faithful unto death. This is the church of Smyrna in the book of Revelation. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. That promise is given to the one who is faithful until death. Not before death, until death. And Jesus promises the crown of life to that one. Or this is another great one. Hebrews 10.35-39 Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. So, who, is, who, do, who do the promises come to, according to this? The one who has endured, right? You have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, when you have endured, you will receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to what? Destruction. But of those who have faith to, to the preserving of the soul. The Bible does not give out any hope to someone who makes a profession of faith and does not go on to endure to the end. The Bible tells us plainly that that person will be destroyed. If you have the fourth kind of soil, you don't shrink back to destruction. You don't fade away. You don't fall away. You continue to bear fruit until the time you go to be with the Lord. That is a genuine convert of Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at the second one, the thorny soil. This kind of soil, the Bible says, never brings any fruit to maturity. So the question we need to ask here is, can a genuine Christian never bring any fruit to maturity? Now, a lot of people would say yes. I know there, I know there are a lot of Christian teachers that say, sure they can. That's the carnal Christian. They make a profession, they go through their whole life, they never produce any fruit, they die and they go to heaven because they made a decision at one point to follow Jesus. 
I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that's biblical. I want you to look with me at John 15, verses 5 and 6. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Okay, so here's the progression. A person abides in Jesus. What do they produce? Fruit. Much fruit. Here's the other progression. Someone doesn't abide in Jesus. What happens to them? Well, first of all, there's no fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't produce any fruit. And the person who doesn't produce any fruit, they are gathered together, cast into the fire, and burned. Jesus is saying, if you truly abide in Christ, you will produce fruit, and the person who produces fruit will be saved. The person who doesn't abide in Christ will not produce fruit, and they will be lost. So, as I've thought about this parable over the years, since I first became a Christian, I've changed my mind. I don't believe the first three are talking about saved people. I believe only the last one, the good and honest heart, is talking about a genuine convert. Now, for those of you who are new to the things of God, let me just explain to you what I mean by fruit. I've been throwing around that word. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithful, faithfulness, and self-control. Things like these. Now what is that stuff? <laughs> That's what Jesus looks like. That's the character of Christ being formed in another human being through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Christian life is a progression into the image of Jesus. So, fruit is simply becoming like Jesus. That's all that is. Becoming like your master. If your life never becomes like Jesus, it means the Holy Spirit isn't in you. Because if the Spirit is in you, that's what He does. Inevitably. Always. There, there's a work of sanctification and cleansing and spiritual growth that goes on by the power of the Holy Spirit and every person whom He causes to come alive in Christ. Now, look at the last one. There's a huge difference between the first three and the last soil. Jesus calls the person with this kind of soil, He calls them a person with an honest and good heart. Now to me that is confusing because are there just people randomly out there that have this honest and good heart? Who are they? Where do they come from? I mean you say, well sure, that's me. I was born with an honest and good heart. I'm different from everybody else. <laughs> well, what does the Bible say about man's heart? Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? desperately sick and deceived. Now how can Jesus say this guy's got an honest heart if the Bible says his heart is more deceitful than all else? How in the world did that guy come to have an honest heart? And moreover, how did he come to have a good heart? In Genesis 6-5 it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Can we describe anybody then as being good? Jesus didn't. Remember Jesus said, only God is good? 
Why do you call me good? Only God is. Not me. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, he was good because he was God. But not me personally and not you personally. We can't call ourselves good by nature. We're born with evil hearts. So the seed falls into an honest and good heart. Let me ask you, where in the world did that honest and good heart get its honestness and its goodness from? <laughs> I think we find the answer in verse 10. Jesus said, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. These were Jesus' own chosen disciples. Jesus had made a decision to grant them spiritual understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom. But to the rest, it's in parables. Now why in parables? He tells us why. So that seeing, and he's quoting here from Isaiah 6 verse 9 and 10, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So there is a gift of grace that comes to the chosen disciples of Jesus Christ. They get it. Jesus clears it up. He makes sure they understand these spiritual truths. The rest, Jesus speaks in parables so that they won't see, so that they won't understand. The same word of God can have a revealing effect in some and a blinding effect in others. It can have a salvation effect in some people and a judging effect in other people. Jesus said, the word that I spoke to you will judge you. It'll be that which judges you on the final day. So... How do they get this good and honest heart? I, I believe it's simply there is a distinction of grace made. This grace has come to some to prepare it, to receive the word. God has been working, the spirit of God has been working in this heart to make it like fertile soil so that when the seed drops in, it grows and it produces fruit and it lasts and it endures. And that's the only kind of the four soils that produces fruit which is an inevitable characteristic of a true child of God. He will produce fruit. So, it's an honest and good heart. You see, the person whom the Lord has prepared his heart, they hear the gospel like a drowning man clutching at a life preserver. Or they, they hear the gospel like a starving man being given some food and clutching that food and putting it into his mouth so that he can live. They know that their sin is going to take them down to everlasting destruction. They, they feel a sense of sin. They feel it. The Holy Spirit has convicted them that they're sinners and that they need a Savior. And when a Savior is presented to them, they run because the heart has been made ready to receive him. Now the second thing we learn about this soil is that they hold fast the word with perseverance. They're not like the stony ground. They're not like the thorny ground. They're not a fair weather Christian. They don't believe in Jesus because it's popular or it's fun or it seems the in thing to do. They're, all their buddies are doing it and so they go along with them. This is the person that holds fast the word with perseverance. When things get hard, really hard, when they go through difficult trials, difficult temptations, they hold it fast. And they hold it fast with perseverance. And they bear fruit with perseverance. They continue to bear fruit year after year after year. 
Isn't it discouraging? I'm sure you have seen this the same way I have, that we've known people that we're so excited. Oh, they've come to Christ. Five years later, you can't find them. Boy, that's discouraging. But you know what's happened? It wasn't good soil. Good soil produces enduring, persevering fruit. They are faithful until death. They endure to the end. They hold fast the word of the living God. This is the fruit that is produced by the heart that the Lord is prepared to receive that gospel. So, what kind of heart do you have here this morning? If you had to analyze it, and sometimes it's really hard, isn't it, to know your own hearts. Let me just speak to those who, who may not be saved this morning. Thank God you have enough interest to come this morning. You have enough interest to hear the gospel. The gospel is simply this. You are a sinner and a rebel. You are corrupt in your heart. You are estranged from God. If you were to die in your sins now, you would end up in hell for all eternity. And until you see that, the gospel will have no glory at all for you. You won't care a bit about it. But if you really see yourself the way God sees you, like Genesis 6, 5, the way the Lord saw, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You say, that's me. I am under judgment. I am under the wrath of God. How can I escape from the wrath of God? That's when the gospel becomes precious because the gospel is the unfolding to you of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's answer to your sin problem. If you've come here this morning under a sense of guilt and sin, your answer is not you. Your heart is not good and you'll never be good enough by doing any amount of things, coming here to this church, reading your Bible, it'll never satisfy God and His justice. What you need is an all-sufficient Savior. That one is Jesus. He's already done everything that you ever need to be done to be right with God. It's finished. What you and I do is we come to see it. Do you remember Jesus talked about those who could see? Those who could hear? Can you see today? that Jesus is the answer for your sin problem? If you see it, you've got it. Hold on to it. Believe it. Let that word of the gospel begin to transform you. And it will. If you see it, that gospel is going to start making you into a completely different person. New values, new priorities, new loves, new affections. Everything changes. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So if you have come this morning and you're not sure whether you're right with God or not, look to Jesus Christ suffering and dying for you on the cross. Put your trust in Him. Then rising again from the dead as proof that God has accepted His death as payment for your sin. Place all your trust and all your faith in Him and do it today. Do it right now. Believe in Him. If you're already a Christian, then what this parable has for us today is to tell us if you want to produce fruit, the way you do that is by the seed. The seed coming in produces the fruit. The seed is the Word of God. As Christians, we need to continue to hear the Word of God because that seed gets down into our hearts and it inevitably produces righteous and godly fruit.
In Colossians 3, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you, how? Richly. Let the seed come in and dwell richly because that seed is going to cause you to be a fruit-bearing Christian. Maybe you're producing 30-fold right now. You want to come up to the next level? You want to be 60-fold? You want to be 100-fold? Then spend time in the Word. Let the Word have its work in your heart. Turn off the TV. Get up before other people in your home can distract you. Close the door. Spend time with God alone. Open up His Word. Get on your knees and pray about the things that He's been telling you. Go for a walk and talk to Jesus and pour over His Scripture. Let the Word work in you. Read it. Meditate on it. That means think about it. Memorize it. Make it your life. Because that were, that's where fruit bearing comes from. The enriching power of God's Word. So with what kind of heart do you hear the gospel? Let's pray. Lord, I do ask that you would work in all of our hearts, wherever we're at, whether saved or lost, baby Christian or uh, a Christian who's been saved many years. Lord, use this, this old parable, this masterful parable of Jesus to stimulate and provoke and motivate all of us either to come to Christ or to grow in Him. And we'll be careful to give you the glory, Lord, because it is all a work of your special, wonderful, unique grace. In Jesus' name, amen.